Hi everyone, I'm Sky Ross and this is Motherness, a podcast dedicated to sharing mindful and empowering interviews with mothers and experts. Together, we're shining a light on the realness of raising babies and life postpartum, from the first moments to the months following and the years beyond. Motherness serves to hold space for mothers in all their glory, to inform you, to include you, to empower you and to connect you. And despite our different experiences, opinions and approaches, as mothers who love, we are grounded in this together. Today's episode of Motherness is proudly sponsored by Noopy. Noopy is a New Zealand and woman-owned social enterprise company making premium Ecolux nappies and pants that are non-toxic, chemical-free and made with Manuka hydrosol, a world first. By harnessing this plant power with the latest technology, they have created nappies that are naturally antibacterial, which may inhibit the growth of bacteria, preventing nappy rash. Because a nappy that is better for the environment is better for your baby too. Noopy nappies and pants have a cotton blend outer, making them super soft and comfortable, hypoallergenic, breathable and lightweight. They are also performance-driven, with up to 12 hours of leak protection, giving parents peace of mind, because a healthy baby is a happy baby. Noopy is offering all Motherness listeners 10% off store-wide, including our nappies, pants and subscription services. Enter the code MOTHERNESS10 at checkout to receive your discount, plus get free shipping when you sign up for a nappy subscription. Noopy is hands down our number one choice of disposables in our household. For Motherness listeners, we are also running a very special giveaway which includes a free carton of Noopy nappies or pants of your choice. Go to the Motherness Instagram account to enter. Thank you so much again to Noopy for sponsoring this week's episode of Motherness. By now you've hopefully realised that on Motherness we keep it super real. But real doesn't always have to mean difficult. In fact, today's guest, Ariana Bell, is proof that you truly can have a dreamy fourth trimester and a positive entry into motherhood. A lot of people talk about unicorn babies, but today's story isn't necessarily that. There are certainly elements of her journey that have been cruisy and, dare I say, easy in inverted commas. But I think that it's her perspective on loving fully, embracing all that it means to be a mama being conscious, considerate, and present with her son. That's what makes the magic. I've always loved the saying, no rain, no flowers. And for Ariana, she explains that the most challenging aspect of her experience has been the change in herself and her marriage. One that she and her husband are aware of, showing up for, and continuing to navigate, like most of us are. So, here's Ariana with her beautiful motherness story for us all. Hi Ariana, welcome to Motherness. I'm so excited to have you on. It's a pleasure to have a listener with me today. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself, tell everyone who you are, where you live, and who you are a mother to? Hi Sky. thanks for having me on. I'm Ariana Bell, I'm a wife to my husband, Jeremy Bell, and a mother to my amazing little boy, Toby. He's eight months and we all live in Tauranga. So we're going to start by talking about your birth today. You have had, I guess, overall a really positive experience in terms of your entry to motherhood. So let's take it back to the very beginning and give us a bit of an overview of your birth for context. Yeah, so far so good. Um <laughs> Yeah, the birth I have really fond memories of actually, which sounds nuts. And I think if anyone said that to me before I had a baby, I'd be like, whatever, it hurts. What are you talking about? But really, I really loved my birth. Um, it was kind of not unexpected, but um, I had no signs of labor or anything leading up to it. Um, but I went into labor two days before he was due. I woke up at 6am and it was on a Saturday morning and kind of for about an hour felt some cramps, kind of like Brixton Hicks, but they were way lower down. And I was like, oh, what's this? But just thought it was um, end of pregnancy stuff because we were nearing due date. But they were coming like every 10 minutes. And then so about seven o'clock, I just got up and 
did some stuff in the nursery and I didn't think anything of it. And then during that time, I was going in and out of the toilet. I, and I just must have, well, I did lots of poo. It's just your body <laughs> just clearing had, out, hey? Like, yeah, it's just nature that, being like, exactly. we're going to make, make way for the baby. Yeah, <laughs> clear everything out. We've yeah. got a baby coming through. Um, so, yeah, I didn't realise that. I thought, oh, no, I've got a stomach bug. What a shame. Um, but that explains the cramps and stuff. And then I sort of, I was walking around, but then I couldn't keep walking around through the contractions and they were coming like every three or four minutes or so. So I got Jeremy up and just said, oh, I'm not sure. I think something's happening. Probably not, though it's probably a false start, but I think you should just get up anyway. It's 8.30, get up, Saturday, let's go. Um, He got up and about an hour later came and checked on me and um, I was kneeling on the bed and my contractions were about two, three minutes apart. and And I couldn't speak through them at this point now. But still, like, we are getting through it. Um, but he decided to call the midwife because that's what she told him to do when she can't talk, call me. Um, she came around and checked me about 10.30 and said, you are seven centimetres dilated. Do you feel like going for a ride to the hospital? I was like, oh, am I alive? <laughs> like, obviously knew something was happening, but I just didn't really want to get excited. And I also didn't want to, you know, be like, oh, this is feeling really regular, like, and then my midwife come and tell me that I'm only one centimetre or something. Mm. So saying that I was seven centimetres was a huge shock. But like, oh, this is so exciting. And so we got in the car and luckily we only live like five minutes from the hospital. So got there at about 11.30 and walked up to the suite and had a few contractions on the way. And yeah, and then once I got to the delivery suite, we I needed to pee. And so I went to the toilet and then my waters broke on the toilet. Oh, that's lucky. Um, which was really lucky, yeah. <laughs> My midwife said, good girl. Um, and then, yeah, really felt the urge to push. Then it was all kind of on after that. So went to the bed and, yeah, about, I think it, they say it was about 45 minutes, maybe an hour later, he was in my arms. Wow. It was, yeah, so surreal. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and your mind, were you thinking that you were in this for the long game? Like you've been thinking, I'm yeah. a first-time mum. I've been told by everyone that... I could go over Joe, it could take a really long time. And so were you like quite shocked when he was actually yes. born within? How long was your labour all up? Um, total six, six and a half hours-ish. Yeah, that's quite So quick. yeah, pretty quick because yeah, now antenatal classes and everyone said before, you know, it's going to take at least 12 hours before you're even allowed to go, you know, before you're even in active labour. And I just had these in pregnancy, just this vision that would have like one last day to get the playing cards, to take my mind off the contractions and watching movies. And it would be like, you know, we knew that we were in labour and we we're just going to spend those last, you know, final moments as two together. And yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's really so fast. crazy. It's like the total opposite to mine because I spent like three days watching Ricky Gervais movies trying to get the... Oh my goodness. <laughs> trying to get like the oxytocin flowing. I was like, if I laugh, maybe it'll speed up. <laughs> maybe it will come. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that sounds like so amazing. So how did you yeah. feel emotionally when he was placed on you? Were you elated? Did you have that love bubble? Were you just kind of a bit shocked that it all happened yeah. that fast? more just yet elated like I was so just I think maybe bewildered just he was on me and he was my baby and we didn't know he was a he throughout the pregnancy we just we didn't find out the gender and it wasn't until maybe a couple of minutes later the midwife said so what have you got when I said what do you mean (laughs) and she was like what gender have you got and we said oh oh my god and so we looked and we're like we've got a boy (laughs) um yeah so I think we were just Oh, I was just over the moon that he was here and he was safe. And yeah, I had my baby in my arms. And after all that time, he was, yeah, I met him for the first time. Yeah. I kind of just pictured that. But yeah, it was just a massive love bubble. And I kind of hoped for that, but I didn't want to get, you know, I listened to podcasts throughout the pregnancy and I just, and I knew that that doesn't happen sometimes and maybe it could be a slow burn. So I was kind of prepared for that to maybe happen, but I hoped that it would be that, you know, instant connection and love yeah yeah amazing it was intense intense love yeah Yeah. oh beautiful and so did you guys have skin to skin for a while and have a first breastfeed at that point yes yeah so we he was placed on my chest and we had skin to skin I'd say for about an hour sometime during that hour um we actually had a student midwife with us as well she was amazing she said do you think it might be time that for a feed and um so yeah he just she helped us with the latch because 
his mouth was so tiny, I can't believe how small they are. <laughs> but helped us with the latch and he did really well. And yeah, he had his first feed. I think he was quite sleepy, so he fell asleep quite quickly. And yeah, it just, yeah, lots of skin to skin. And yeah, we did um, delayed cord clamping as well, which I thought it was like 30 minutes or I don't even know how long I thought it was going to be, but it's I think it's only a couple of minutes or I might be wrong in that, but... Yeah, I think we did delayed cord camping. It's a bit of a, it's a bit, bit of a blur. blur. Yeah, I know. Okay, I know I did <laughs> yeah. it too because I remember looking yeah. at the cord and my midwife saying, "Mark, it's time to cut it." And I, it wasn't pulsating, but I can't remember if it was like five minutes after the birth or like thirty yeah. minutes. But I'm pretty sure it was five minutes. <laughs> yeah, like what is time, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so, how was your physical recovery? You said to me when you were telling me a little bit about your story that you had a tear. So, can you just talk us through? finding out that that's what had happened and what the advice was from there. Yeah, so um, he came out with his hand up by his face and I think they think that maybe his elbow did a little bit of damage on the way out. Um, It was a second degree tear, so nothing major, like not fourth degree or anything, but it was a three-sided flap, so a little bit more tricky. The surgeon tried to repair it in the delivery suite but she needed more light and I, w- I had no pain relief because you just go from zero to a hundred. <laughs> yeah. um, so there was no- nothing was numb. They gave me a bit of local, but it was, I could still feel everything. So she said, no, she just wanted to do it in theatre. So yeah, they said, we just need to take you to theatre and stitch it up, which I was actually really happy about. I mean, I want to do this again, hopefully, if I'm lucky enough to do that someday. So I want it all in good working order. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And so yeah. did you have to yeah. have like a spinal or an epidural for that? Yeah, so we did a spinal block up in theatre and you know, just lie there numb from I don't even know how far up, <laughs> just numb everywhere. Um, but I think actually that was quite a good debrief time for me. Jeremy had really lovely skin to skin with Toby for like two hours, which is so nice for them, good bonding straight off the bat. And I think for me it was just like everything happened so fast, um, way faster than I anticipated that I think it was nice for me just to lie there and think, oh my gosh, what just happened? What, you know, and go through the whole process and, you know, start to finish from 6am that morning to where we were then. So yeah, it wasn't, it, yeah, no drama. And how did your physical recovery continue throughout your postpartum period after that? Did you feel like you had any issues because of that tear or was it all pretty straightforward? All pretty straightforward. I think the first couple of days, I just felt really weak. I think it was when the spinal block wore off and I tried to get up and walk around. I just thought, oh, I cannot walk. I can't even stand up straight. Getting to the bathroom was hard enough. But I think that's all pretty part of the course, isn't it, with labour and birth. So, yeah, a bit bruised, a bit swollen. But in the following weeks after that, everything sort of healed up quite nicely and got out for some walks. And I went to see a pelvic floor physio at six weeks just to get everything checked out and just see because I I like to keep active and I just wanted to make sure before I got into anything that um, she was quite happy with everything and yeah she said it was great so that's that was good confidence getting back into some exercise and stuff like that. Yeah awesome and so how were the first couple of days for you guys did you is there like a birth center or care that you can transfer to for postpartum in Tauranga or did you guys go home? I'm not sure um, if there's something that you can transfer to. I know there's a birth center here, but I'm not sure if you've had a birth in the hospital, you can transfer to the birth center. So no, we came home, we spent two nights in the hospital and that was all lovely. The nurses were amazing. We were really happy with the staff and everything. So that was a really nice experience as well. That was so helpful. Um, but we came home, I think it was day three. And yeah, we had lots of family support at home, which was nice. Lots, everyone wanted to come up and meet the baby. And <laughs> of course. So yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, we just liked to be in our own wee bubble. But yeah. the hospital was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And how was yeah. your breastfeeding journey going over those first few days? Did you need any help with the latch or anything or was it pretty straightforward? Um, I feel like in the hospital there was one side that I just could not get right or he didn't like as much as the other side or I don't know. Um, but, yeah, he seemed to get the hang of it pretty quickly. Um, and I didn't really get – I used the um, – I don't know if you've heard of silverette nipple cups – 
Yep. They are amazing. God sent. Oh, for me anyway. I didn't have, I had hardly any grazing, any cracking. Of course, getting used to it. There was a couple of days of pain, but nothing major. So yeah, his latch was pretty good, I think. And I got my midwife to check every time she came over and yeah, it just seemed to just work, you know, like we were working well together. So yeah, we had no dramas breastfeeding and I felt like I always had enough milk and um, he was happy and yeah, content, yeah. full. <laughs> That's what you want. Awesome. And he was gaining weight. Yeah, he gained weight really, really well. So yeah, it all seemed to work quite quite well for us. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And are you guys still breastfeeding now? How has it kind of yes. been since he was a newborn? Yeah, we're still breastfeeding now. It's kind of now he's eight months. He's been on the go for the last couple of months and he's so busy and he doesn't stop. So breastfeeding for me is really special because it's our like quiet time, you know, for us just, just to sit and connect. And I love breastfeeding. I absolutely love it. I just think it's Yes, nourish, nourishing for us, but just that connection is so dreamy. Yeah, I completely resonate yeah. with that. I mean, Albie was crawling before six months, and so it's like she yeah. never slowed down. And then yeah. it's the one time that you get a break and yeah. you get to stop and be really present with them, hey? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And he gets really grumpy if I'm trying to do something else or he's so easily distracted. So it's our nice time to go away, just the two of us, and just sit for a little minute. He's pretty efficient, so he gets it done quite quickly. Yeah, he just sounds <laughs> but, quick in general. He's like, quick yeah, bed, yeah. quick feed. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Amazing>. Exactly. <laughs> and how was your emotional journey? Did you feel like you get, you got the baby blues at all or did that high from the birth kind of continue through those first few months postpartum? I definitely had adrenaline for the first couple of days. Yeah, and a big high for sure. Baby blues hit on day four from memory. And I just, it was the, um, we had our first night at home and he didn't sleep very well. And I think maybe the adrenaline from not sleep, you know, and that keeps you sustained while you're not sleeping just, um, had worn off by then. And I woke up on day four just feeling so teary and I'd cry so easily at everything. My milk came in that day. So my boobs were hard as rocks. And yeah, everything just felt a little bit harder that day. And everyone was walking on eggshells around me because I just kept crying everything. I had to explain like, I'm happy. I'm fine. I just can't stop crying. Like you don't need to, don't treat me different. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'll let you know if I need a minute. But, um, yeah, I don't think I didn't. Yeah, it was probably only a day or two, maybe. And I think once I had some better sleep and a shower and stuff, I, yeah, felt better. Yeah. Was it something that, you were emotionally prepared for to like, had you heard about the baby blues so it didn't come as a surprise to you? Yeah, definitely heard about the baby blues and I listened to a lot of, pod- that was my kind of research in pregnancy was just walking and listening to podcasts. And so I heard, you know, lots of stories about baby blues and even postnatal depression. And so I was kind of prepared to watch out for that, but yeah, it just didn't really, just didn't really hit, you know, well it did, but only, if, not, only for a very short time. Yeah. Awesome. And so you mentioned sleep there. I know from talking to you before this that Toby was, hopefully still is, a good sleeper. <laughs> so talk to me about your approach to sleep and I guess what your expectations were of having a newborn in regards to sleep and how that played out for you guys. He was a good sleeper, not so much anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> Okay, was a good sleeper. Was a good sleeper, yeah. So I kind of, I don't know if I had any expectations of what I expected him to do. I didn't know that you had to feed them every four hours when they were newborns. I didn't know any of that sort of stuff. Didn't know about awake windows. So in the first couple of weeks, maybe um, first month or two, I kind of just followed his lead. And I was just lucky that he knew what he wanted and he could we could figure it out together what he needed and he just yeah slept and I couldn't believe it he slept in the lounge during the day so we had Moses basket so he's either on me or in the Moses basket but he was just quite happy to sleep wherever pram car Moses basket bassinet on anyone yeah he just slept well and fed well and he's just I think a little bit of a unicorn well, he was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he started sleeping through the night at about six weeks, which I called my sister. I said, is he allowed 
to sleep through the night? Like, do I need to feed him more? And she's like, is he gaining weight? Are you feeding on demand? He'll be fine. Just let him sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> the first couple of nights I was like, what was going on? I, could, I couldn't sleep. I just kept checking on him. But um, yeah, that was amazing while that lasted for sure. So yeah, I wish I had a secret to how to get them to sleep through the night because that would come in handy now. But um, I don't. <laughs> what has your approach been to sleep since things have kind of changed and he's not so much of a unicorn anymore? Are you guys still <laughs> going with the flow or have you started considering doing any sleep training? Like where do you kind of sit in the scheme of things? During the day, he's pretty good. He he used to be a catnapper when he was a newborn, so that was pretty tough. Just would only sleep for half an hour and that lasted probably until he was about four and a half months. And then he slowly started getting the hang of what are they, linking sleep cycles and sleeping longer. So now his day sleeps are pretty good and I can put him in his cot and he'll put himself to sleep on a good day. Um, through the night he wakes up two or three times and I kind of am just going to go with that for now. I'm coping fine and he's so happy and content and I just think, yeah, I just think he like. He just works well with the relaxed, like just a relaxed approach, I guess. I'm following awake times just because he loses it otherwise. (laughs) But yeah, through the night, still pretty. He tells me what he needs and we just follow his lead. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And what sort of things did you guys do to get him to be napping longer when he was catnapping? Or was it just a matter of letting him evolve and you kind of just went with the flow with that as well? Yeah, I kind of, when he was cat number, I kind of um, maybe freaked out about it a little bit, was stressed out about it, but then read so many, it's so common for babies to catnap. I couldn't believe, I just thought I had this baby that just didn't want to sleep for half, you know, more than half an hour. But from reading all the support groups and stuff, so common. So I kind of, if he woke up happy, I'd get him up. If he woke up a bit upset. I'd try and get him back down for, you know, rock him to sleep and try and get him back down for a bit longer. But if he was fighting it, I just got him up and we just got on with our day and started the awake times again and that kind of cycle. So we didn't really have a routine for mm, maybe four or five months yeah. Um, until he started doing longer sleeps. And we're kind of now on a more set nap time schedule rather than awake times, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. They kind of get to that age where it's just a little bit more of a rhythm and predictable. Yeah. I remember feeling, yeah. though, like the catnaps, because Albie did that as well. She kind of hit the four-month regression and, like, classic catnapper. And I just remember being in her room trying to resettle her, thinking she should be sleeping longer. It was yeah. always this should, should, should thing, and it the stressed should, me out so much. So yeah. how did you... Did you feel stressed by it? And then at what point did you realize that it was just something that you had to surrender to? Yeah, well, that's the word, right? Surrender. I definitely felt stressed out by it. And then I I was talking to friends and Jeremy and just, they were like, the baby, he's happy. He's a happy boy. He, you know, he's well catered to. It's okay. Just, and so, yeah, I had to surrender and just let go of that. This, your baby should be doing this. There is no, I, don't, I just feel like there's no should I, the word should is just so frustrating because every baby is so different, right? And just has different needs and on different on different days. And yeah, so I think surrendering really helped because I was stressed about it at the beginning. Yeah, because of the should. But yeah, surrendering definitely helped and just said, oh, well, he's happy. Let's just see where we can improve. And if not, then don't worry about it. Well, there's always tomorrow's yep. another day. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. So yeah. it sounds to me like you guys had a pretty smooth sailing journey, which I think is really nice for people to hear. You know, I've had a few people reach out about sharing their positive stories and they're worried that they're too positive for motherness. And I don't yeah. want motherness to just be about challenges. <laughs> but I think it's important to acknowledge that within every story, there are challenges. So yeah. when you reflect on your entry to motherhood and your, I guess your journey today, what has been the most challenging thing for you as a mother? As a mother, um, Toby's pretty cruisy. So I think I'm so lucky to have such a cruisy, happy, content little baby and he's just goes along with the ride, you know. But I think 
in terms of motherhood. Um, our marriage has been a work on. Yeah. I, yeah, it wasn't quite prepared for that. It's been hard, yeah. We met when we were, um, for, well, we started dating when I was 15, so at high school, and we've been together for 10 years now, or over 10 years. Um, and we're both very independent people. And I kind of, I think maybe I had this expectation that we'd both be this wonder couple and such a team and just be these happy parents to this happy baby. And we had the happy baby, but, um, and we were happy, obviously, but we just needed time, I think, to adjust to our new roles and, and our new roles to each other. Cause obviously, I'm sure most mums know for the first 12 weeks for me personally, it was just Toby was all about me and vice versa. I just wanted all of him and him to have all of me. So my poor husband got pushed to the side for a wee bit. <laughs> and I think that was quite hard because obviously for the last 10 years, it's just been us. And yeah, I don't think I was quite ready to feel so distant from him and also quite, I mean, just angry. I don't know if, ang- I don't know if angry is the right word, but, um, I just remember Googling, why do I hate my husband? And, <laughs> and all these articles. And I know that sounds horrible. And I feel, I feel horrible saying that, but I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was just such an adjustment. And I think giving Toby my everything all day, I had nothing left for me and I had nothing left for my husband in our relationship. And yeah, we really struggled with that for sure. Yeah, I totally get that. I always like, like attribute it to, not attribute it. I liken it to kind of, if you imagine a cup and like people talk about cups being full, but I mean it in the sense of like how much energy you've got. If your cup is Mm. full and that you've given all of your energy already, Mm. you just, I think as a mother, well, this has been my experience is that I only have so much to give and I, yeah. you know, and when there's another need or another requirement, sometimes you just get tipped over the edge and your cup overfills. Mm. What have been the greatest causes of contention for you guys in terms of that adjustment and figuring out your new roles? Um, it's hard to put a finger on what exactly it was. As I said, we're very independent and I was with Toby all day. So I kind of figured out what he needed, when he needed and how he needed it straight away. And that's purely from being with him all day. And, you know, I carried him in my body for nine months. I'd hope I'd know what he needed, you know. Whereas Jeremy, it's a learned process and he didn't get that time because he goes back, he went back to work at, um, I think Toby was about 10 days old and, he didn't get that one-on-one time with them 24-7 like I did. Um, and so he would maybe, he'd, he just wanted to learn how to do things his way, which is totally fair. He's the dad. Of, he knows what he's going to do. He loves the baby. He's going to keep the baby safe. And he just wanted to figure it out for himself. But I think for me, it was stressful hearing him get upset and then not quickly resolve that. And so I'd be like, you need to do this. Well, give me the baby. And I think I was such a, I've seen the term maternal gatekeeper and that was definitely me. And I feel, um, I think there's probably a bit of guilt there because I think maybe I might have robbed him from um, his experience as a first-time dad. Um, yeah, that's quite hard <laughs> to come to terms with. Um I know he probably doesn't think it that way. And he, I don't, I know he won't, he would never resent me for that. And he, I don't even think that's probably crossed his mind. But I think for me, I just wish I could have stepped back and let him kind of figure it out because he's the most amazing father as I knew he would be. And I just, um, yeah, feel a bit, yeah, feel a bit guilty for that, I think. So there was that. And I think for me, I'm a very tidy person and I know this comes up a lot. <laughs> I'm so tidy. My house, everything in my house has a place. And when you've got a newborn and you're stuck on the couch feeding for hours in the evening and you're tired and you're hungry and 
you are stuck in the same place and you're looking at the mess of the day that has gone before you, you just go, oh, it just, it messed with me anyway. And it took a while for me to actually voice that to Jeremy and be like, this is the reason why I'm so mad right now. And I, I can't clear that until the space is clear, tidy, what is it, tidy home, tight, tidy, tidy mind, mind yeah. Yeah, um, and it took a while for me to, and it's just ridiculous because all I needed to say was, can you put this there, this there, blah, blah, blah. But I think I was being stupid because he lives there, so he should know where everything lives. But they don't, he doesn't see it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't see the mess, and that's fine. It's my thing. So, yeah, once we kind of um, got into a bit of a routine and he'd come home from work and do a quick tidy up and fuel me up, give me some snacks and fill up my water bottle um, and then get dinner on, that's when we started just the stress got taken off a little bit and we had room to um, communicate a little bit more about what was needed. But that's hard, right? Yeah, totally. Like you're with a baby all day and then you put the baby down and you want 20 minutes to yourself before you have to go to bed because you're going to be up with the baby all night. The last thing you want to do in that 20 minutes is spend arguing with your husband about what is going on for you, you know? But, you ha- I mean, we had to. You just have to communicate and get on top of it otherwise it just eats away at you and it I don't know puts a bit of a damper on the newborn bubble but yeah it's so real yeah for sure it's totally real I mean I hear so much of myself and my experiences in that you know everything that you've said I think we're probably quite similar I also think that everything has a place and it makes me feel better when my space feels clean and clear and especially when you're in it 24 7 you're here all day yeah, completely you know? but it's also I think about you know that for a while especially within the first year if you're the mother at home with your baby I've kind of described it as like the default being with you in the sense that you mm. have a running list in your head of what needs to be done and you're so used to doing it all that if you're if you can't communicate or you're struggling to communicate or you're exhausted, it's really hard to then delegate and tell them what you need. But it yeah. just all comes back to communication, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And so did something happen <laughs> for you guys where you were like, okay, we've got to like talk about this? Or was it just like a really gradual thing of starting to, I guess, communicate what you were struggling with a little bit more and you just were, you had like a conscious realisation that you weren't okay and you needed to just make progress? I think it was kind of like a gradual thing. Like it'd just be days where we just weren't getting on. And I don't, I actually, when I'm looking back on it, I don't think there's anything to do with him. I think it was all me and my emotions and bottling it up. Like he's really cool, calm and collected. So I think he was just kind of letting me feel what I needed to feel. And the poor guy was a punching bag for so long. But yeah, I think it was a gradual thing and then it would just kind of blow up. And then when it blew up, we just, we knew we needed to sit and talk and talk through it and not, not finish until it was done. And we knew what we each needed and it was more what I needed really. Yeah. So I think since then, maybe we've been a bit better at realizing when something's wrong and needing to talk about it before it kind of comes through a big head like that because there's been so many nights in the last eight months where we've both gone to bed angry or I've gone to bed angry but it all looks so much clearer in the morning you know like you've had some sleep and it's not the end of the day when you're both tired and yeah so I think now we're a bit better at realizing that we need to talk (laughs) and communicate which is crazy you'd think we'd know how to communicate after 10 years together and kind of growing up together but here we are. <laughs> I think that it's totally normal though, you know, like having a baby just exacerbates things. So does sleep deprivation and like the pressure and the time that you have to get things done is so much less than when it was just the two of you. So yeah. things that you didn't worry about or you had lots of opportunities to do like cleaning or tidying or whatever yeah. um, or time for each other, you just have so much less of that. And so... Yeah, you you have to learn and adapt very quickly to working out how you're going to move forward as a team. But, yeah, I think it's a learned process, or that was my experience anyway. Yeah, yeah, we're the same. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so how has intimacy been for you guys? I think it's something we don't talk about enough. 
And you did say to me mm. that nothing is off limits. So nothing I'm going to go there and ask you. <laughs> I might regret that. Um, how has that journey been for you guys, I guess, and amongst the normal postpartum, your body's feeling different and then also the adjusting to having a third person in your little family? Yeah, nothing's off limits. I don't care. Um, <laughs> the... Well, for the first, I know that there's that six weeks yeah, and then you can get back into it. I was like, I'm going to get to six weeks and I'm definitely not going to want to even be touched. And I kind of just felt like my vagina was so sacred to me. Like it gave me my beautiful boy and I just didn't, I really, the thought of anything going near my vagina just kind of just freaked me out. Not, I wasn't panicked about it. I just was like, that's that was Toby's coming into this world and it was a special place. I don't know. <laughs> no, I get that. Um, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just the thought of anything going near it was just not happening for me. And it probably, I didn't want to be intimate. For, I just did not have it in me. I had no desire for even cuddles or kisses. I'm telling you, my husband is the most patient man ever. <laughs> um, but it probably honestly wasn't even until about four or five months where I was keen for a cuddle even or a pash on the couch or whatever. I just felt touched out all the time. But I also didn't want to change that. I had Toby with me all day, every day, and he was on me and, you know, breastfeeding and needed everything from me. And I was touched out, but I didn't want that to stop either. I really loved it. Yeah. But I guess it was just a different type of touch. Yeah. So about four or five months, then I, yeah, yeah, I had my days where I was wanting to be intimate. And then I had my days where I wasn't. And we didn't get fully back into it until probably about six or seven months. And even now, like, yeah, I just think it's it's also I work on, but uh, yeah, you're still tired and you're still trying to juggle everything. And yeah, I think it's definitely a work in progress. Um, he's very patient, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely, it, it was it's hard. I think for me to be intimate, especially in those first couple of months, I just didn't want anything. I I don't want anything at all. But I think as well, like, you know, when you do have these other things going on with communication and frustrations Mm. that you have to, like, make a really, I found, a very conscious decision and, like, choose to be intimate. Whereas previously it was so easy to be spontaneous and fun and, like, you know, and then, yeah, if you've got all these other things in your mind, like, it, it becomes... I found it became so much more mental for me, like the decision to be intimate. Whereas previously, I guess it's just like the stresses and how much you have going on in your brain. Yeah. As a mum compared to before is just so different. Yeah, like you kind of, I don't know, for me, you kind of have to really think about it and think, okay, let's. this is what we need to do. Or this is what I need to do to get into the headspace. Yeah. And oh my God. And <laughs> if you, we do it now, and then you know I'm if have... you like do it, you'll enjoy it. But it's about yeah, like totally. choosing to do it. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't think, I think people were like, is there something wrong with me? Is this normal? But knowing that other mums feel that way makes you feel yeah. better. Yeah, completely. I think it was, um, your the sex therapist on the podcast. Yeah. Um she was saying schedule it in and I was thinking, right, these weekend naps. We're both at home in the middle of the day. We're not tired. But man, I thought about that a couple of months ago and I said, This is what we're gonna do and here we are a couple of months later. Yeah. <laughs> Have we done a weekend nap yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on the agenda, you know, it'll happen sometime. It's just there's always something else that needs to be done. Yeah, I know. I totally <laughs> but get it. I, I guess it's just making it a priority. Yeah. Um, eventually. Yeah. And how has he been? You said that he's been really patient. Has he ever verbalized like any frustrations or has he just been incredibly patient and gracious this entire time? Just incredibly gracious and patient this entire time. It's, yeah. I knew he would be. He's just the most amazing man. Um, and man, I put him through the ringer, <laughs> poor guy, but, um, 
Yeah, no, there's never been any pressure and there's never, he's never said, right, let's do this or do you want to try? Or he's, he's always waited for me to kind of come to him. And when I come to him and it doesn't work, then he's like, oh, whatever, we'll try again later. doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll get there sweet. eventually. So, yeah, he is very sweet, yes. And how yeah, are you guys now that you've kind of moved through those first few months that are really raw and you've gone through that stage of needing to communicate and work out where you fit in, where are you guys at right now as a couple? Right now um, we definitely still have our battles yeah, I guess it's just different, different, you know, Toby has different needs now and um, different, I don't know, schedules and there's there's always going to be something and there's always going to be life stresses that get in the way and it just gets a little bit too much sometimes and yeah, we still have a lot to work on, I think. Um, but yeah, like I said before, we kind of know when those are coming to a head and we need to stop and communicate and we've also talked about going to a marriage counsellor and not not so much that we think that we're that we are in a position where we think we might need it to save our marriage. Like I think we're solid. Yeah. We both know we're solid in our relationship and in our marriage. But I think sometimes it just helps to have a third person on the outside listening to you both equally and not listening to the partner and, you know, already having a rebuttal going in your head before they've even finished talking. It's just, it's, yeah, quite good to have an extra person on the outside to kind of look at you fairly. And we are yet to go to a marriage counsellor, but we both definitely would never rule that out um, if we need one. Yeah. So we know that that's there if we need the extra help and we're not afraid to ask for that help. But at the moment, yeah, we're just kind of getting on with the communication issues and working on that. But yeah, we definitely still have our moments. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> pretty think... sure I went to bed angry last night. <laughs> but you woke up yeah. feeling better, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think if, like, you know, if, yeah, marriage counseling or relationship counseling should be looked at, like Joe said in that, that interview I did with her, is like maintenance if you feel like you need yeah. it and just giving some tools and techniques for, yeah, better communicating and, holding more space for each other. Completely. How have you guys kind of navigated the roles of like provider and currently stay at home mum? Like has that been a really natural part of your relationship, like evolving into those positions or has there been stresses around like the finances versus caring sort of aspect of your son? No difficulties or contention around being a stay-at-home mum or a provider. Yeah, we're kind of just getting on with it. He knows that I'm loving every minute of being with Toby. And there's obviously the financial stresses around COVID, oh my goodness. But we're very lucky that he could stay at home and work from home with us. And yeah, I think, yeah, that kind of, those roles were just naturally, we just naturally eased into them and... Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so when you look back on your experience to date and you think of that magic word should, but also the (laughs) other magic word of expectations, what expectations (laughs) did you have for yourself as a mother or for your experience? And how has the reality of that been different? Um, So I'm the first of my friend group to have a baby. So I didn't really have any examples around me of what a baby should be doing or what a mum should be doing or that magic word should yeah. <laughs> or any of that. So I kind of went into it with no expectations and that's also how I wanted it to be. I kind of wanted to find our own journey and our own reality. I think the only thing that caught me off guard in reality was the ma- uh, maternal load. I can't believe how much is always constantly going through your mind about the baby. That took so long for me to adjust to. I just couldn't believe that, you know, the baby would be asleep, but you'd be thinking about, right, I need him to wake up in half an hour, we'll feed, and then I'll change his nappy, he's got to be awake for a little bit, and then go back to sleep, and then, and you think, you're thinking like three days in advance mm. about what is happening, and I think that is just an intrinsic thing of being a mum, and I, th- I think it took me a while to adjust to that, and kind of a little, maybe a little bit resentful of the fact that Jeremy didn't even have to think about it. Yes. So maybe that 
was played into our, our relationship as well. Yeah, so I think that the maternal load was definitely, I just was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> My mind is constantly racing. But yeah, the reality is for us, we've just had such a, for me, a beautiful journey. And there's obviously the struggles of adjusting to being becoming a mum that I'm sure everyone goes through because, man, it's rough. <laughs> but I think of our first trimester and beyond is just so positive and amazing. And I just want all of him and to be around him all the time. And yeah, you, I want a break and then I don't want a break because I miss him. And yeah, I just have really loved it so far. Mm. And our reality has just been for me, pretty dreamy. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Does looking back on it so fondly, because I, also do the same like obviously there's little things every stage has its challenges but for the most part Mm. I also look back and just go oh this has been so dreamy and for me it's been so dreamy that I'm actually not ready to have another child because I just am like she's still a baby and I'm holding on to my love bubble with her so how are you thinking about the prospect of maybe having another child one day. Is it something that you want? Does it make you clucky or does it make you just want to have the one for a little while? Oh my gosh, I just completely resonate with that. That's how I've been feeling lately. Uh, So, you know, everyone asks, when are you going to have another baby? But I, and I've always wanted three babies, you know, that's what I thought I'd want, but I've got him and I don't, the thought of having another baby to me right now just isn't, it's not on the cards because I'm all his and he's all mine and and Jeremy's. <laughs> but I just can't even imagine um, taking away some of some of me from him and giving it to somebody else. And I know everyone had you know so many people have more than one baby and it's no one's traumatized by it. <laughs> you know the kids are fine and your heart just grows and makes room for two of them and you love them equally and ready ready rah but. Yeah, I just, I honest, I'm just in a little love bubble with him, and I never want that to burst. And yeah, I just, I mean, I've, I would like to have another baby eventually if we're so lucky to have another one. But yeah, it just right now it's just not. I don't, I don't even want to have. I, I mean, I do want one eventually, but I don't want one right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, totally. I'm just in this little bubble with him. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, for a while, people were asking me, and I was like, honestly, the idea fills me with dread. And I know that sounds really yeah. awful because there's lots of people who would give anything, but I think, you know, you know, my my mo has been completely honest, and that's really how I yeah. felt. And yeah. I probably don't feel that way so much now because she is 16 months, but at the same age as Toby is now, I was like, no, absolutely no way, I can't do it because yeah. the love was just so strong is so strong yeah 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 I completely understand yeah and agree the dread the dread it is I think the word dread and I agree with you know I'll feel guilty if I can't have another baby and I've said that you know but that's how I feel yeah and that's the reality and yeah if if, if it's just one baby then you know so be it that's a lot of love right there yeah. to have yeah it's a lot of love <laughs> Yeah, I totally also get what you were saying about the mental load and that's kind of what I meant, what I was trying to articulate before when I say that the default is with you and that to-do list. And it's hard to like, hard to shift that. And I also think when you think about having another child as well, I just go, how much bigger is that mental Mm. maternal load going to become? But I know you just make it work, but yeah, I completely resonate with everything that you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So when you reflect back on your time now, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm just going to ask anyway. <laughs> what comes to mind for you when you when you think about all of this and your entry to motherhood and meeting Toby and going through the sleep deprivation and the breastfeeding and all of the things? If you had to sum it up, how would you sum it up? Oh, <laughs> Um, just, oh my God, um, just pure joy. It's all of it, all of the things, just, it's just looking back on it, it's just been, oh, (laughs) 
just the greatest time of my life. <laughs> just the best. It's just been the best. I've loved every, well, I say every minute, but there are times where you don't love it, obviously. Just a couple of minutes. <laughs> just a couple of minutes when you're deep in the trenches. But yeah, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. It's just been the best, joyous, happiest ride ever. Mm, and I'm so grateful that I've got a little sidekick yeah. to experience that with. It's just the best. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I just love hearing your story. It's so <laughs> nice. And I think it's really lovely for women who are pregnant as well, especially to hear this, to know that you can have a dreamy journey. And mm. there are challenges. You've said it yourself. Like it hasn't been 100% perfect yeah. when you have hard times. Yeah. But overall, just hearing you speak, it's just so beautiful. It just fills me <laughs> with joy. Breakdown. <laughs> we love emotions on this podcast. You know we do. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> well, um, I just have one final question for you, and you know what this oh, is. Do you? Yeah. Oh, do you know about this one? <laughs> I might do. I have a theory that even on the days where we doubt ourselves, that the mother we hope to be is exactly the kind of mother that we are. So, Ariana, what kind of mother do you hope to be? And therefore, what kind of mother are you? Yeah, and I listen to every episode of The Motherness. And I always think, um, what would I say to that question? And I can never come up with an answer when I'm listening to the podcast. I just, I, it's, I don't know if it's a block or whatever, but um, so I was waiting for this one and I hadn't, I didn't want to put much thought into it. But the mother I hope to be is... He's so happy. A mother that laughs until she cries with her son and her babies and her husband. Uh, we're a big laugh, laughing family here. He's full of laughter. My husband's full of laughter. I'm full of laughter. So, yeah, I hope I laugh until I cry with my son. Just a happy, empathetic, kind and patient. I need to work on patience. But patient, patient mum. Um, yeah thank you so much for listening to this episode of Motherness for more empowering interviews like this one check us out on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you like to listen and if you like today's episode please subscribe and leave a review so more listeners can discover all that Motherness has to offer we are at motherness.podcast on Instagram and our DMs are always open if you need advice or would like to chat I'm Sky Ross and you've been listening to Motherness.